Guys, good to be with you tonight. Uh, really is. And this evening we're starting a series called Clues to Christ in the Old Testament. Uh, and the Old Testament is 39 books of our Bibles, but often there are 39 books that we don't really read. When I was your age, when I was going to school, uh, a group of Christians came into our school called the Gideons. An excellent organization. They've changed their name now to something else. Uh, but they would come into our school and they gave us a wee red Bible. And I've still got that in the house. Maybe you've got it as well. Uh, but I always remembered about the Gideons. They, they brought the wee red Bible. It was a New Testament and the book of Psalms. There was no Genesis in there. Uh, there was no Obadiah, no Malachi, no Judges, none of that sort of stuff. Just the Psalms. And this isn't a criticism about the Gideons. By no means they do a wonderful work. But maybe sometimes we're a wee bit like that when it comes to our faith. We know the New Testament. That's our bread and butter. We read it all the time. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. We love getting into Paul's letters. Admittedly, Romans is a wee bit hard. We love sort of wrestling with the book of Revelation and and trying to figure out all the sights and sounds of that weird and wonderful book. But when it comes to the Old Testament, not so much. We know a few verses, like this one up here, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not under thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. We know that. We know the 23rd Psalm. Uh, we know that pretty much off by heart. We know other wee bits and pieces here and there. But largely the Old Testament feels a wee bit weird and a wee bit strange and not something for us to consider. And yet, guys, the Old Testament is for you to read, it is for you to learn from, it is for you to devour, because it is the Word of God. And without the Old, there could be no new. And on every page of the Old Testament, we meet the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know you might think, well, that sounds like a bit of a stretch, because I've read the Old Testament quite a lot, and I've never really seen Jesus in there. It just seems like a strange bit of the Bible that I don't really like. But actually, Christ himself knew what the Old Testament was all about. Guys, let me read to you from Luke's Gospel. Luke chapter 24 and verse 27. Uh, And this really just sums up what we're trying to do in these nights when we're considering Christ and the clues of Christ uh, in the Old Testament. The Lord has been crucified. The Lord has been raised again to life. And his disciples and others who knew Jesus are trying to figure out where he is now, what has happened to him, what has gone on. And Jesus meets these two individuals on the road to this wee village called Emmaus. And they don't recognize Christ. They're kept from seeing who he is. But they talk to the Lord. And there's this wonderful verse in Luke 24, verse 27, where Jesus takes these two individuals on a Bible study. The scriptures say this. This is God's word. Beginning at Moses and all the prophets... Jesus expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, Jesus expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And so guys, when we read that verse, when we consider what it is that Jesus did with these two men on the road to Emmaus, we have to realize that what Jesus did was he took them on a Bible study and he took them through the Old Testament. These men did not have the New Testament. There were no Gospels written at this stage, nothing else that you and I take for granted. So what Jesus takes these men on is a Bible study of the Old Testament. 
And the Lord expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He started at the books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, the Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And then he took them into the prophets, uh, from the major prophets, the big boys at the front, to the minor prophets, the wee boys at the back. Christ took them on a Bible study from Genesis through to Malachi. And he showed them in the Old Testament everything that was in there that concerned himself. And you might be surprised by that. You might think, well, I know there's one or two verses in the Bible that point forward to Jesus in the Old Testament, but, but really, is, is Christ there in Moses? Is Christ there in the, the prophets? Is, is Jesus there in Obadiah? Is Jesus in the Psalms? All the way through the Scriptures, all the way through the Old Testament, Christ is there. And we see him in the shadows. We see him in different figures that we meet. We even meet him as he comes as the angel of the Lord. And guys, in this sermon tonight and in the sermons to come, I think you're going to be taken on a wee journey through the Old Testament so you get to see Jesus all there in glorious technicolor in the Old Testament books. Paul would say this in Romans 15 and 4 about the Old Testament. He says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Do you hear that? Paul says, whatever was written back then, it was written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in the crucified and risen Savior. Our hope is in what Christ has done for us. He has paid the price for us at Calvary so our sins might be forgiven. And so Paul says, as we read the Old Testament, those things written all those years ago, they were written for our sake so we might learn and so that we might grow in patience and comfort and so that our hope might be strengthened. Guys, I want you to remember that the next time you're doing a Bible study reading plan. Usually when January comes and we think, we're going to read through the Bible this year, and we read Genesis, it's brilliant. We read Exodus, it's pretty good. Then we hit the brick wall that is called Leviticus. And we think, well, what do you do with that? What do you do with a book like Leviticus? Where can I find Jesus in such a book? It's so alien to me, it's odd, it makes no sense. Remember that in the books of Moses, Jesus himself went on a Bible study with these two men and he said, look, I'm in here. Look, I'm in this passage. I'm in this book. And Paul says all of those things were written so that we might learn and so we might grow in patience and comfort and hope. Guys, all the way through the Old Testament, we see Christ. Now, admittedly, we don't see him the way we do in the New Testament. When the New Testament comes, we see him as he is. He came and he took on flesh. And he became like us in every way, but without sin. And in the New Testament, we hear him. He, he teaches us. He speaks to his disciples. He, he, rebe- or he rebukes those who have rebelled against him. The enemy, the, the Satan, the, the demons, the Christ commands them and they flee. We know the stories about Jesus. We see him walking on the water. We see him calming the storm. We see him standing before Pontius Pilate. We see Jesus in vivid color in the New Testament. But he is there in the Old. And we speak about Christ in the Old Testament, that we see him in the shadows. 
Guys, tonight as I look out, I see shadows on the ground. I see the shadows of the benches. I can make out a few shadows. If you, if you saw my shadow down the street, you could figure out that I was a, a man with a red belly and a baldy head and glasses. But, but you couldn't see me as I really am. But in the Old Testament, we see Christ in the shadows. I think the most wonderful place that we meet him is in Genesis chapter 3. And Adam and Eve have sinned against God. They have fallen. Sin and death has entered into the world. Everything is awful. Everything is ruined. But the Lord God himself speaks to the serpent. Genesis 3 and 14 to 15. The Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And guys, we read those verses, and this is a wonderful word of prophecy about Christ who was to come. But if we read those without knowing anything about Jesus, we might scratch our head and we might wonder, well, I don't see anything in there about a cross. I don't see anything in there about a son of God. I don't see anything in there about walking on the water or all that other great stuff. And yet in these words of the Lord to Satan himself, we see little glimpses of Jesus in the shadows. Jesus is the seed of the woman. Jesus is the child who would come and he would be bruised, but ultimately he would crush the enemy's head. Guys, later in the book of Exodus, in Exodus 12 and verses 5 to 7, we see another wee glimpse of Jesus in the shadows. You might know this famous story. It's called the Passover. And the children of promise, the children of Israel, are going to be brought out of Egypt by God himself. But first must come the Passover. And we read in verse 5 of Exodus 12. You shall get a lamb, and your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take off the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And again you read that passage and you think, I don't see a cross. I don't see a saviour. I don't see any of the stuff that we take for granted about Jesus. But then we remember that Jesus Christ is the Lamb who comes to take away the sin of the world. And then we remember that it is by the blood of Christ that our sins have been forgiven. And then we remember that if our faith is in Jesus, then the Lord's anger will pass over us. And so even in Exodus 12, in the shadows, we catch another little glimpse of Jesus. But guys, it's bigger than that. Paul would say this in 1 Corinthians 10 and verses 1 to 6. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And they were all baptized on the Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. 
When Paul speaks in 1 Corinthians 10, and he's speaking about the people of Egypt coming out of Egypt, he says that they were baptized in the sea. He says that they ate and drank the same spiritual meat and drink that we, that we do. And he tells them that they drank of the spiritual rock, and that rock was Christ. So if we ever believe that the Old Testament is just this random collection of stories, that it's good for nothing other than colouring in sheets for Sunday school, or, or maybe the odd good verse that we can put on the wall, then we are actually far wrong. The Scriptures tell us that the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is full of Christ. And the scriptures tell us that if we have ignored or neglected the Old Testament, then we have made a mistake. Because it is for our learning. It is for our patience. It is for our comfort. It is for our education. And it teaches us about the Lord Jesus. We see Christ in the Old Testament in the shadows. But we also see him when he comes as the angel of the Lord. Guys, I don't know if you know this or not, but we long have believed that whenever we meet the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, it is a little glimpse of Jesus before he comes in the flesh. I don't mean every angel that you meet in the Old Testament, but whenever we meet the angel of the Lord, we believe it is a little glimpse of Christ. In Genesis 18, in verses 1 to 2, Abram meets with three men and we believe that these three, two of them are angels and the other is the angel of the Lord. And the reason we believe that is because when the Lord appeared on the Abram in the plains of Mamre and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day and he lifted up his eyes and looked and those three men stood by him and when he saw them he ran to meet them from the tent door and he bowed himself towards the ground. Christ appears to Abram in Genesis 18. And then later in Joshua 5 and 13 to 14, we see another little glimpse of Jesus before he comes in the flesh. It came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went on to him and said unto him, Art thou for us? or for our adversaries. And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord, am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth, and did worship, and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? Abram falls before the angel of the Lord. And Joshua falls before and worships the commander of the Lord's army. These men would not have done this if this were a mere angel. Later on in the book of Revelation, John falls at the feet of an angel as low to worship him. And the angel says, do not do that for I am a servant of God like you. These are not mere angels. These are little glimpses and little appearances of Christ in the Old Testament. And perhaps the most famous one of all comes in Daniel 3 and verse 25. Again, Another wonderful Old Testament story. Maybe we've colored in pictures of this since we were five or six years younger than we are now. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in the fiery furnace. They should be burnt up. They should be killed. They should be destroyed. But when Nebuchadnezzar looks in, he says in Daniel 3 and 25, Though I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, 
and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Guys, all throughout the Old Testament, there are little glimpses of Jesus. We meet him in the shadows. We see little pictures of him that the Lord has blessed us with to give us little hints that he is coming. We see him as the angel of the Lord. We see him in the fiery furnace. Christ is there from Genesis to Malachi. And that makes the Old Testament 39 books that absolutely we should be reading. But there's another wee thing that I want to speak to you tonight about as well. And it might be new to you, it might not. But just as we see Jesus in the shadows, and just as we see him as he appears as the angel of the Lord, so we also see Jesus figured, prefigured in the Old Testament. We get this idea from Paul again in Romans 5. And verse 12 to 14. He's speaking of how sin entered into the world. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, after the similitude of Adam's transgression. We hear this, guys. Adam is the figure of him that was to come. So in the Old Testament, Christ is prefigured. In the Old Testament, we meet individuals like Adam, and like Moses, and like Melchizedek, and like the King David, and like the other prophets. We meet these individuals all throughout the Old Testament and they are figures of the Christ who is to come. We meet Jesus in the shadows. We meet him as the angel of the Lord and we see him prefigured in black and white in the pages of Genesis 3 to Malachi. And the first figure of the Christ who was to come was Adam himself. Guys, when we read the story of Adam and Eve, probably we know it back to front. It is one of those stories in the Old Testament that we know and we learn and we understand. It is such a vital story. In the beginning, Adam and Eve were made by God. In the beginning, God promises them ever after everlasting life if they will obey him perfectly. But we know what happens. Satan comes and Satan tells them and whispers and, and leads them astray. They believe the lies of the enemy. They fall into sin. Everything goes wrong. But even in that story, we get a little glimpse of Jesus. You see, in the beginning, in the garden, Adam falls into sin. But later on, in the garden of Gethsemane, Christ obeys perfectly. And guys, you might think to yourself, well, that seems to be just a bit of a coincidence. I'm maybe not going to put too much trust in that. But I do not believe that in the Bible there are any coincidences. I believe that Scripture speaks to Scripture. I believe the Old Testament interprets the New, and the New Testament interprets the Old. And just as we see the first Adam in the garden falling into sin, so later we see Christ, the second Adam, in the garden, falling on his knees in prayer. It is Jesus who in Matthew 26 and verse 39 goes a little farther falls on his face and prays, and he says, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. 
Guys, there's the difference. The first Adam in the garden listens to the enemy and falls into sin. The first Adam in the garden, when he has sinned, hides himself away from God. Genesis 3 and verse 8 says, They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. But the second Adam, he is Christ, does not hide himself in the garden. Instead, he comes before the Lord in prayer. He falls before the Lord and he cries out, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. The first Adam does not obey. The first Adam sins against the Lord. The first Adam is not prepared to take the Lord at his word. But the second Adam, who is Christ, absolutely obeys, absolutely does what his Father commands, and absolutely passes the test that comes in the Garden of Gethsemane. Guys, when we see Adam in the Garden of Edom, we are thinking of Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. When we see Adam falling into sin in the Garden of Eden, we are thinking of Christ who falls in the obedience in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in the Garden of Eden, Adam is given clothes to wear. The Lord makes coats of skins and he clothes them. Genesis 3 and verse 21. Later on, when the Lord leaves the Garden of Gethsemane, he is beaten and he is stripped of his clothes. Adam is naked and he is ashamed and he has fallen into sin. But Christ is beaten and stripped naked and shame is poured out upon him. But he is the one who redeems his people from the curse that came in the Garden of Eden. Friends, Adam is the first, but Christ is the second. And where Adam falls, Jesus stands firm. Where Adam sins, Christ obeys. Where Adam hides, Christ prays. And when Adam is cast out of the garden, well, we know where Jesus is tonight. In Genesis 3 and verse 24, Adam is driven out, and the Lord places at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. But tonight as we even meet in the hall here, the Lord Jesus Christ has not been cast out. The Lord Jesus is not outside the presence of Almighty God, but the Lord Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God the Father. And even tonight the Apostle tells us that Jesus is interceding for us, his bride, the church. Christ is the second Adam. Christ is the one who puts right what goes wrong in the Garden of Eden. And tonight we know that Adam died, but that Jesus lives forever. In Genesis 5 and verse 5, we're told that Adam lived a long life. All the days that Adam lived were 930 years. And he died. But the second Adam, who is Christ, his life, we believe, was around 33 years. And he died at that place called Calvary. He was placed in a tomb, but he was only there for a few days. And he rose again to life, and he is alive forevermore and will never die again. Everywhere where we see Adam, we see Christ who is the greater Adam. The second Adam. The Adam who has come to put right what the first one did wrong. Guys, the scriptures are full of those pictures. Adam is the first 
figure of Christ who was to come. But you will see others as you work your way through the Old Testament. In a strange figure called Melchizedek, also in the book of Genesis, we see a little figure of Christ. Melchizedek comes as both a priest and a king. And later on in the book of Hebrews, Paul would say, well, well, that's Christ. That's who we were seeing there. That's an image, a figure of Jesus. Later on, we know that there's a king called David, a man after God's own heart. And David wrote so many psalms, it's, it's awesome to read them and we sing them in churches. But when we read them, we realize that some of them are messianic. They're talking about the Jesus who was to come. And so when we see King David, we get another little glimpse of Jesus, who would be the one true king who even now is on the throne. And when we come to that strange book called Leviticus, and it's full of sacrifices and full of blood and full of priests, we know that Jesus is the true priest, the one who came and offered his life at Calvary as a sacrifice for many, the one who is the true temple, which was torn down but raised up again on the third day. All the way through the Old Testament, from Adam, Melchizedek, the prophets, all of these figures, Give us little glimpses of Jesus. And as we read about them, then we learn something about Christ. You see, tonight as we consider Adam and Eve in the garden, and all that they did wrong, and everything that happened back in that first few days of human history, it might seem incredibly hopeless. It might seem that that sin entered the world and death by sin and everything was done and everything was awful and everything could never be fixed ever again. But that's not the case. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 22, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. See, that's Adam and that's Jesus. With one comes sin and death. With other comes forgiveness and redemption for all who would believe. With one comes hopelessness and bleakness and awful things. With the other comes forgiveness and grace and mercy and hope. Adam was a figure of him that was to come. And Christ is that one who was to come. And guys, I hope this year at Lestudor you learn much about Christ. And I hope and pray that you will see him in places that maybe you didn't think he even existed. I hope you don't fall into the trap of thinking that Christmas was his birthday and that's when he started. But I hope you realize that even as Genesis begins, even as we see creation being brought forward by the word of God, that the scriptures tell us in the beginning Jesus was there. And he was with God, and he was God. And the scriptures tell us that in the beginning, all things were made through him and for him. From the start of the Bible to the end of the Bible and everything in between, it's all about Christ. And so on that road to Emmaus, Jesus took two men on a Bible study. And he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Guys, I hope in the studio this year that's exactly what's going to happen for you. That from Genesis 
the Malachi, that you will see the wonder of Christ on every single page. But the first Adam where he fell is where the second Adam, who is Christ, succeeded. And so just as I finish tonight, I know and I hope that many of you are Christians. But if you are not, and I want you to understand that if you are not saved, then you are in Adam, the first guy. Adam was the first man. And therefore, because he was the first of humanity, he was the head of humanity. And because he sinned, if we are human, and if we are in in Adam, then we too have sinned, and we will pay the price for that one day when God's anger abides upon us. But guys, tonight if you are in Adam, you do not need to be. Christ, the second Adam, calls you to salvation. And Christ, the second Adam, calls you to repent of your sins. That means to turn away from them, to run from them, to see how filthy they are before God, and to instead run to Jesus and put your faith in Him. Guys, that is how you can be saved. Tonight, if you are in Adam, then you need to be in Christ. Tonight, if you've heard the story of Adam, who is the figure of Him that was to come, then you need to be in Christ. For the first Adam fell, but the second Adam prayed. And the first Adam sinned, but the second Adam obeyed. In the first Adam, none can be saved. But in the second Adam, who is Jesus, if you call upon him, then you will be saved. Guys, the scriptures are all about Christ. Not just the bits we call the New Testament. But the Old Testament to the New, it's all of Jesus. And I pray this evening that you will finish tonight like the men on the road to Emmaus, whose hearts burned within them when they realized that they had been in the presence of the risen Lord Jesus. Read your Bibles, guys. Read them from start to finish. Devour them on every page. Because on every page, in type in figure, and in shadow, you get to see Jesus. There's nothing like this grand book that the Lord has given us. And so I pray that this will be a year in the studer and in your own house, your own life, your own church, where you make much of Christ as he has revealed to us in the pages of his precious word. Guys, thank you for listening to me tonight. I wish you well as the studer kicks off. But let's wrap up here this evening as we pray. Father God, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful for Genesis through to Revelation and everything in between. And this evening, Lord God, we are thankful that the Old Testament is not this strange place that has nothing to say to Christians. But instead, from Genesis to Malachi, it is full of Jesus. So Lord God, by your Holy Spirit, we pray that when we are reading our Bibles, you would help us to see the wonder and the glory of Christ in the Old Testament. May we see him in the shadows. May we see him when he appears as the angel of the Lord. And may we see him when we meet figures like Adam and Melchizedek and David and others who all give us a little glimpse of what Christ is all about. Father, show us 
the wonder of Christ in the gospel on every page. And tonight, if we do not yet know Jesus as our Saviour, then Lord God, we pray that you would speak powerfully to our souls. And we ask this evening that here in Lestuder, this would be the night that some would move from Adam and sin and death to life and forgiveness in Christ. Lord God, we thank you for tonight, for a new season at Lestuder. We thank you for the supper kindly provided. And we pray this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen.